Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 44 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. You know 44 is a uh, revered number here in the queues. I think everybody in series. So this is probably going to be one of our best shows ever? I mean, the competition's pretty stiff, but yeah, I think that the odds are good. Yeah, well. It should be. How's that? Yeah, it should be. Well, everybody, welcome to episode 44, hopefully a historic best show. Uh, Welcome to that show. Uh, bless you. Mr. Hey, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> um, Not off to a great start on yeah, 44. Yeah, we're five minutes late. We're good. <laughs> I could have done it right into the yeah, mic. That's all right. Let's see. Um, well, thank everybody for joining us. Uh, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, subscribe, and uh, hit that notification bell, and you'll be alerted to uh, new content when we release new content. Uh, Mr. Hussong, thank you for joining us. How was your uh, Easter weekend? Awesome. Did you find uh, did you a little Easter egg hunt, little chocolate bunnies, any of that good stuff? I mean, we did it all because our kids are still around that age where yeah. they're still into it. So it's fun. Uh, I don't really understand all of this of like trying to explain what Easter is to my children and tying in a rabbit and chocolate and eggs is a little, you know, tricky. But we just You're talented, man. I, you know what? I, spin, I can spin a tail here and there. So I uh, we, we had a great weekend. Uh Obviously, things we opened up the ice cream shop last weekend, so things have been just nuts. Like family dinners at 10 p.m. when we all get home, our kids are all working in the ice Life cream. Life of shop. a bartender it sounds like. I, it's, I think it's similar, <laughs> I, you know, except less alcohol. Huh. Um, and then it was Sunday. We took off for Easter, so we kept the shop closed. And it was we went out to Buffalo. We visited my in-laws, and it was just a. I just don't want to do anything today. Like I've been running two different businesses for the last week. I'm exhausted. I literally just want to sit around and eat food. You're never going to ha- find a person who uh, values doing nothing more than me. Uh, see, I think there's something so, to yeah, this. No. And you'll never find a person who does nothing less than me. So <laughs> you need to. Wor- I need to rub off on you more. <laughs> we need to hang out more. I, I guess that way we can balance each other out a little bit. <laughs> So let, let's talk. So we you, you missed last week's show, yes, uh, because of the ice cream shop. Sorry, we, we guys. didn't get to. No, it's good. Um, in that show, we talked uh, mostly about the legalization of, of marijuana here in New York. Um, we had two interviews between the last time we talked to one with uh, Phil Magnus from America Institute for Economic Research and Bill Hammond from the Empire Center. Both are uh, returning guests. Both offer a plethora of information and love having those guys on the show because they kind of uh, allow me to pick their brains a little bit. Any uh, immediate feedback from those two interviews? Anything you want to touch on again uh, the show here about those? Well, let's start at the beginning. The legalization of marijuana. I, You are well aware of this. I don't smoke marijuana. I don't have any desire to smoke marijuana. I won't smoke marijuana when it's legal. Huge fan of legalization. I think that it should be happening. I think the fact that we're still throwing people in prison over marijuana is probably the most absurd thing. I have some very close friends smoke a fair amount of marijuana and some that smoke a ton. You know, oddly enough, they're not running around in a mystery van with a Great Dane trying to solve mysteries. I know that seems odd, but it's not what they do. They're very successful people. They, I mean, Scooby Snacks are good. I, I, how can you argue with that, honestly? But it's the same thing of the idea that this is some gateway drug that's going to do all this and lead to these hard narcotics is a little ridiculous. Um, I think that has not been borne out by the data. The fact that it's taken this long, I, I guess it's progress. Like, let's move in the right direction. Um I think the way that the New York state is doing it shockingly enough is inefficient. Yeah. They, so they, their argument was they didn't want to turn into California. I think they closely followed the Colorado model, which does 
prevent some, uh, you know, you know, their idea of they didn't want to have basically everybody just growing their own and popping up shops on the corner and doing their thing, which, you know, I guess is understandable. Um, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. Um, I'm glad for all the reasons that you just laid out. I feel like, you know, putting people in cages for this is, is nonsensical. Uh, should have been over a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> I'm also a, uh, if you're uh, not doing any uh, harm to anyone and you're in the privacy of your own home, do it the hell you want. I'm a live so, and let live kind of yeah, guy. So that, that this falls right into there with me. Um, I do think there will be some economic benefit to the state if they do it right. You know, we'll see how this all, uh, all plays out. They're going to screw uh, up. Well, they always do. Right. Um, but, I, you know, just in, in recapping a little bit, there's a uh, 13% sales tax on cannabis, 9% going to the state, 4% going to the locality. Uh, those localities are towns, villages, and cities, not the counties. So the counties don't play a role in determining whether or not they're opting in or opting out to the retail part of the cannabis legislation. Um, I believe all the other parts, like I'm assuming that if, I don't know, the town of Cicero, the town city of Syracuse opts out, that those people who are opting out, uh, the people aren't doing anything illegal they're just not opting into the retail environment of the cannabis legislation so i, I kind of hope that's not true and that literally it's legal in one town but not in the other across the that, entire state that would be, be, be uh, that would be uh, quite a an observational uh, uh experiment for sure but <laughs> oh um God, we'll, we'll see I, I i see there's been a couple i feel like uh somebody maybe in amsterdam a couple in long island who have uh come out and said they're going to opt out they have till the end of the year this year to opt out um a verbal declaration, I'm sure, is not the uh, end-all, be-all of this, so we'll see what happens. Um, it's like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> I'll call this progress like you did. Um, I, you know, I wish it was a, a cleaner bill, but here we are. Um, legal weed in New York. I think we're the 15th state to make that legal, so uh, recreational legal anyway. Uh, so we'll see. Like I said, we'll see how this all rolls out. Um, by the end of the year, we'll have a better idea of uh, which uh, localities are going to uh, be participating in this or not. So let's talk about the interviews. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Magnus, Mr. Hammond, both excellent uh, gentlemen here, uh, both uh, full of information. Uh, anything you took away this time differently than you took away last time? Uh, so my, my takeaway, let's go in order with Phil Magnus, was we discussed this a little bit of Look, I, yes, he is not a virologist, neither are we. We are not scientists, we are not doctors, but we're reasonably intelligent human beings that can read and understand English. And so when you give me a study and let me read the parameters, the methodology and everything else, to say that I don't understand it, I find a little insulting to be like, look, this isn't some, this, it's not hieroglyphics, this isn't ancient Sanskrit that I'm trying to make sense of, it's English, and I can read what happens. And if your study consists of using a dummy and spraying droplets and saying, see, two masks are better than one, I'm allowed to criticize that. So looking immediately, and you and I have been on this kick since masks were first introduced, and I would get into debates or discussions with people, particularly on social media, that says there's not good science to say that masks are actually going to block transmission of this virus. It's, it's dependent on so many variables that are not going to check out in real life. And I had people tell me, 86 studies that all show masks work. Like, first of all, if they worked, you wouldn't need 86 studies to show it. That should have been your first red flag right off the bat. All right, you didn't need 85 studies showing seatbelts are effective at saving lives. It took about three, and you went, yeah, it's pretty conclusive. So that aside, Phil Magnus is wonderful for his ability to break down the data and look at everything and the time and effort and energy he puts into it. So as you and I are discussing this and going, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to help. We have a year of data now of some states and some countries with huge compliance with masks, other states, other countries without any. 
the numbers are exactly the same. Guys, I, I get on an individual level, it might help in a specific uh, situation, which is what we've been saying all along. There are certain circumstances where wearing a mask actually does make sense and you should do it. There's not a lot of them, but they're there. It's been a year. It's been a year. This is I don't even know how we're still debating that this didn't work. Of course it didn't work because if you look at the numbers, I'm not telling you that if you don't wear a mask, you have no shot of getting COVID. I'm saying wearing a mask won't stop you from getting COVID and it won't stop you from spreading it with any type of efficiency. You and I had this conversation. Anything you want to say on that before I go to my... No, I was going to say, I mean, we, we can point to the, the, the today, right? I mean, the cases are all going up in space in places with mask mandates and all these... Uh, Draconian uh, right, measures. All these lockdowns still in place and they're still leading the league in, in cases. So, right. so if it's there's not anything, they're of, not working. It's not working. And that's the idea is not wearing a mask doesn't mean you won't get it. But wearing a mask doesn't mean that you're even helpful. And this is the example I would use. I'm going to do a scientific study, all right? It's going to have a control group. I'm going to throw sand through no fence, and then I'm going to put up a chain link fence, okay? So I'm going to throw the sand, and it all gets through. So then I'm going to just put up a chain link fence, and I'm going to take my giant bucket of sand, and I'm going to throw it through it. Now, are all the sand particles going to get through the fence? No. Okay, so I could reasonably conclude that early tests indicate a chain link fence allows fewer sand particles, or, or what's the right word here? Let's go with particles. Yeah, seems good. Fewer sand particles to get to the other side. As such, if you want to block sand, you should put up a chain link fence. It's a reasonable conclusion. Not one word that I just said is false. Not one word based on the test is false. Common sense, you would look at that and go, I'm not putting up a chain link fence to stop sand. Well, why not? It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. It stopped more than if you just did nothing. Oh, yeah? Watch this. I'm going to put up two chain link fences now. And guess what's going to happen? a little bit more sand is going to get blocked. And here's the beautiful part, because I was only blocking 1.5% to begin with, I get to now block 2% and call it 25% more effective. Oh, buddy, 25%. And it's not a lie. It's a 100% truthful statement to say that, which is why every time I talk to somebody about this and they bring up the idea that this is somehow settled science, I, I just kind of, I don't even engage anymore. Like, I'm just resigned to, okay. Yeah, I'm about to just start, I mean, I've been not wearing a mask for the most part this whole time. I just also have not been going anywhere. So I think I'm just going to stop. I'm going to continue the part A of that conversation and not wear the mask. Yeah. But I'm just going to start going places now and see what happens. I literally, ha so I was working the counter at the ice cream shop one day. We had a couple of kids there. My wife was there. A woman came in, ordered some ice cream. We made it up for her real quick, gave it to her, told her to have a great day, everything else. And I turned around and I, I could hear my wife kind of laughing. And I was like, what? She goes, did you even notice that woman didn't have a mask on? I was like. Oh, shoot. No, I didn't. No. I didn't even notice it. And she's like, oh, she told me later, like, the kids working behind the counter were like, what should we do? What should we do about it? Like, not wearing a mask. And she's like, don't worry about it. Ben doesn't care. And I, like, if I had noticed, yes, to comply with the health department law, I would have asked her to put a mask on. I genuinely didn't notice she didn't have a mask on. And I just thought, like, okay, you're very nice and whatever else. And I, honestly, like, I know that we have to comply with the rules. We have to follow them. I'm in for all of that. And if you want to wear a mask, God bless you. I truly go for it. I'm not here to tell you not to. But the idea that a mask is going to be the difference maker between whether you do or do not get COVID is insanity. I shouldn't say that. It is not supported by the actual science or by the results we have seen from various areas around the country and the world. Sand grains, by the way. Sand grains. Thank you. You can thank uh, the crowd there. Where our our chat is blowing up, thank giving you guys. us inf information here. All right, I got a, so got a Charlie's ice cream pub in here too. So hey, all right. See, look at that. And I again, I. 
if the health department ever hears this, I swear to God, I would have asked her to put a mask on if I had no, if I had realized it. I genuinely didn't realize that she didn't have a mask on. It might have happened to more than once. I don't know. I'm not great at looking at it and going like, oh, okay, good, you're all set. Yeah, but I think, I mean, maybe you said some of this to me before in the past and just speaking, let's just, we don't have to go too deep into this, but like like Wegmans, right? They don't enforce the mask rule. They they There is one, but they're not putting their employees in that situation. I'm assuming that you're walking along those similar lines at your place? I'm going to tell, I've told all of our employees this. If somebody comes in without a mask on, I want you to just ask them, hey, would you mind putting on a mask? If they say no, either serve them their ice cream and get them out of the way, and that way they can either go to a table, sit down where they're allowed to take their mask off anyway, or they can exit the store where, again, they're allowed to not have a mask on. Said, I don't want you getting into an argument with, a, with an adult especially about wearing a mask. You're 16 years old. Don't do it. If you are uncomfortable serving this person without a mask on, no problem. Step back. Somebody else will fill in for you. I'll step in and I'll take care of it. My wife will, whomever. But I don't, like, what's worse here in this scenario that I got a guy, like, you come in without a mask on and I ask you, hey, could you put a mask on, please? You're like, you know what? I really don't want to. Like, all right, no problem. Now I can argue with you. And now we're going to get into a whole debate. It's going to take at least five minutes and it's probably going to get heated and voices are going to start shouting, which spreads more droplets, folks. Or I could just say, all right, well, no problem. Let's get you through this line as fast as possible, please. And you're going to go, okay, I want a small twist in a dish. I'm going to run over, make that real quick, hand it to you, and now you go sit down and we're in compliance with the law. You tell me what the lesser of two evils is. Yeah, no, you're, that's the right way to go. Right. And I, like I told all of them, if you're uncomfortable, step off. Somebody else will step in. Like I, I don't want you to argue. I don't want to end up on YouTube because you're getting into an argument with somebody who believes God is on their side and that like you're oppressing them. Like There's no winning in this scenario. Just back away from it. It's not worth the fight. Get in. Get it over with. Take the... 45 seconds, get them through the line, and then miraculously when they sit down at the table, they're not at risk of spreading COVID anymore, and they don't need a mask anyway. Thank God the science works that way, or else this might sound stupid. All right, so we know the, the lockdowns and the masks uh, for Mr. Magnus. He kind of confirmed our uh, suspicions that they're not working. Let's uh, move forward to the next interview, Mr. Hammond. Uh, so we break down this uh, relationship that our governor has with the Greater New York Hospital Association, Going back to, uh, I think, 2018, uh, where there is, uh, uh, so I don't know if you know that the, the Greater New York Hospital Association is a lobbying firm, basically, that represents most of the uh, hospitals in New York City uh, and most of New York State, I think, as well. So Doing God's work. Yes, and they're uh, a, you know, a very uh, heavy donator, uh, contributor to the Democrat Party, or I guess technically whoever's party is in power. Both parties, they, yeah. they, they did, uh, shockingly... Uh, donate to George Pataki uh, back when he was the governor to get something passed in their legislation as well, shockingly. so Shockingly. Yeah. Is that what we're going to go with? Yeah, Is that shockingly. the word of the day? Uh, so we kind of touched base on this and how they, because they had, uh, we started this because uh, their their new piece of legislation, which actually was removed from the budget, Cuomo tried to sneak in something called pay and pursue, which was going to allow the hospitals to get paid first, whether or not actual procedures were done or not just to, in case they were done and then going to allow the uh, uh the insurance companies to claw back that money from the hospitals if those if they were overcharged right so which seems completely backwards and i think mr hammond kind of outlined that um he even said like look nobody has any sympathy for insurance companies but like them or hate them they're a big player and what's bad for them is going to have a negative effect on costs of care right and that's what he basically pointed out is like all this is going to do is raise premiums on the people so yeah the hospital may be made whole 
to what to, to what cost is it's all going to be on the people. So um, I thought it was again interesting, I and mean, we touched base on his uh, uh, freedom information request and how that kind of steamrolled this whole uh, uh, nursing home uh, controversy uh, with, with the governor and and kind of precluded the attorney general's investigation. And somehow I feel like he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. But it was good to touch base on him. Uh, again, we we touched base we first talked to him, I think in September, right after we filed, um, right after request. we filed the freedom of request. And it was great to hear him uh, kind of make this come full circle here. Takeaway on Bill. Hamm. Yeah. All right. He submitted that request in August through the empire center and they had an attorney, they had money, they had people, they had manpower. And even with all of that, it took six months to get a response out of the government. Imagine you or me trying to just get a freedom of information request done in New York state. Yeah. He said, Mr. Hammond said, he's like, this was kind of just kind of like an exercise for me. Cause I figured all the stuff was going to come out, you know, before the freedom of information request, but that clearly was not the case. They were clearly stonewalling, making sure that information was not going to be public for as long as they possibly could. That's, and he brought up a good point of, there were so many opportunities. They could have just snuck it into the news uh, like on a Friday afternoon on Christmas Eve, the day of the presidential election. Like they had so many opportunities that they could have just put out unflattering information of what they got wrong. And it would have gotten buried in the news cycle because collectively as a society, we have the attention span of roughly a goldfish. And as soon as it was gone, we would have never revisited again, as is indicated by every other news story ever. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we just found out literally there was a guy running a worldwide pedophile ring with the richest and most powerful people in the world. And it's not on the news at all anymore. Sure. And not one person has actually been brought to justice. Like, None. but we've moved on because, you know, uh, now there was there was tweets to talk about and the president fell down the stairs. So God knows we can't we can't revisit that topic anytime soon. Um, I, I find it troubling, like it, not surprising. But again, if you're if you're a fan of the Cuomo administration, like if you're on board or even if you're just defending them, I, why? I, like That's it's point. so wrong what they do and i'm not under the illusion that like the other side is any better please don't misunderstand me but in new york state we really only have one side so i watching the extent of all right the whole reason we have foil requests is so that the average person can discover information and we're supposed to have some openness in government now you could tell me yeah look some national security issues we don't want to disclose to the public we could debate that but okay fine what was the public benefit for covering up accurate data in a pandemic for nine months? Because the data's been in. Well, the FOIL request didn't come in until August, but they've had that data since at least early summer. Yeah. No, there is no reason. Like I said, the only reason is to save face, and obviously people are kind of becoming aware of that now. Um, You know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I think that's uh, not even close to being over yet. But I agree. Um, all right, so let's kind of move into today's show a little bit. Um, I do have a correction from the from the gallery, basically making correcting you, saying that the president did not fall down the stairs, that he fell up the stairs, <laughs> just for the record. My bad. We'll issue a statement of correction tomorrow, obviously. All right, so let's, and he fell up the stairs twice. Did, did you happen to see the uh, Final Four game with uh, UCLA and Gonzaga? I missed it. I was driving. It was quite a game. I, I didn't watch the whole thing either, and I've, I, I've heard from enough people who have said that the game itself was an unbelievable game. The ending was obviously great, too. I don't right. know if you saw the highlight there at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Did you know that kid was quite a football player? I saw a high school football tape of that. Uh, what's his name? Jason Suggs. Yeah. Jer- Jaron Suggs. Jer- Something Suggs. Suggs. Let's just go with the last Suggs. I saw, on, high Gallery, football, I, fought, I saw a high here. school football. Let's go. Get a name I saw high school football tape of him, and he looked really, really good. Which so clearly, this dude's an athlete. Came up big. Obviously, you know, nothing better than sending your team to the championship game in the final four in a you know borderline half court three pointer. I mean, yeah. pr- pretty exciting. Um, and now we have those Gonzaga Bulldogs uh, moving on to uh, the they're the Bulldogs, right? That just came out. Yeah, and they're playing the. Uh, Oh, God. Baylor. I don't know who Baylor's team is. Two number one seeds. Uh, I think I saw four and a half spread for Gonzaga. Yep. I expect it to be a decent game. I mean, I think Gonzaga was kind of the odds on favorite at the beginning here, and sure. uh, they're still undefeated, right? I mean, I don't think they've lost a game yet. I think Good. that's what I heard at the end of that was Gonzaga is just so fast and so. Ah, uh, what's the right? Their offense, everybody can score. Like, it, uh, who do you stop? Who do you focus on? That becomes the biggest issue. Is what do you do to stop this team from scoring? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I, I'll probably watch the game. It's tonight, right? You it's, know what time it is? Yeah, tonight at nine twenty. Nine twenty. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, should be an exciting game. Two number one seeds. Uh, you know, I think the 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 odds are in favor as, as Gonzaga there, so that makes me root for uh, Baylor just because. Actually, I have Baylor in my my bracket. I did really? a bracket and I had Baylor winning the whole thing. Stop yeah. it! Yeah, you did not. I did too. Let me pull it up. No, it's all right. You can't see it, it anyway. So I know. I I'll can't show you after the show. Just don't talk about the Bitcoin price. But you know, <laughs> not yet. You know all what's right. going on this weekend though? The Masters. Oh, body! I can't wait. Like so. Obviously, last year we had this whole crazy Masters got canceled, moved to November, whatever that whole thing. It's almost like a blur that it actually happened. But here we got the Masters back in its normal, traditional uh, early April uh, slot. So we get all the flowers, get all the greens, get all the, uh, the ambiance that comes with the Masters. And the field is great. I mean, a minus Tiger. Obviously, he's still dealing with a uh, injury. Um, but the field is still two loaded. leg bones pop out. I mean, he just pussies right out of the golf. Tournament. I mean, yeah. you think he'd be tougher? Obviously. I mean, this is the Masters. <laughs> Come on, Tiger. Get yeah. it together. You're I'm not seeing him play with a broken back once. <laughs> and a broken knee once. Yeah. But apparently two femurs is a little too much to ask. So now we know. So I don't know if you have any uh, horse in the race at all or somebody you're rooting for. I mean, I think the uh, the guys at the top, the Dustin Johnsons, the John Rahms, the Justin Thomases, those guys all, you know, I'm sure have uh, great odds. Actually, let me pull up the odds here. I think I have the odds pulled up here. Um, yeah, Dustin Johnson is 19. This is through uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. So if you guys, uh, if we pass sports betting in uh, New York, which is I'm going to talk about here in a minute, you might be able to go to DraftKings Sportsbook right there in uh, Del Lago and bet on these here. Dustin Johnson, 19-2 to two is the favorite. Bryson DeChambeau, 23-2. to two. Uh, Jordan Spieth got to win this week. Kind of kind of on the, this is his whole, this is his course too, man. If there's a guy with a better course record than Jordan Spieth, other than Tiger Woods, yeah. it's Jordan Spieth. He's 23-2. to two. John Rahm, who's the guy I think is going to win? You got you got money on John Rahm. My only, well, he's in my he's the top guy on my DraftKings team, except that his wife is expecting, and he has basically said, even if I'm winning, I'm bolting out of here to go watch the kids. So, dude's got to get his a little right, a little risky taking John Rahm here, but I think his uh, game is perfect. Uh, he's at twelve to one, same as Justin Thomas at twelve to one, and Roy McIlroy at nineteen to one. Those are kind of the big dogs. Um, you know, there's another five or six guys who I think are are clearly legitimate to win, but it's more about the the, the the go- it's more than golf, right? The Masters is like an event. It's uh, in and of it, itself. Yeah, it's just this whole idea that it's got this pristine piece of land, and uh, you know the best golfers in the world get to play on this every single year. It's set up, 
you know, basically these guys are coming back to the same course. So history matters. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's, it's my favorite golf event for sure of the year. It's one of the top five events of the year in sports for me. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And I love it that it's back in April. I agree. And it's beautiful. There's a couple of things I love about the masters. Obviously I love the golf of it, the competition and the, the history, the meaning, the tradition and everything else. Like this is one you want to win if you're a professional golfer. Now, if you're not a golfer, there's a couple of things you can still get excited about with the Masters. Number one being, it is, for me at least, the indication of now it's springtime. Once we get to Augusta, it's spring. That's it. We're done with winter. Now is the time for spring. It's the time to think spring activities. And as somebody who despises winter, is a big deal. Number two, I promise you, take this to the bank. You will never have a better nap in your entire life than listening to Jim Nance call the masters on Thursday or Friday afternoon when it's not like all excitement yet of Sunday or charging on Saturday when it's just the early days listening to Jim Nance call the masters with a little birds tweeting in the background and the swish of the golf club. And it's like tiger approached the hole on number four, but is up and it's in well done. There is something so relaxing about that nap of just sitting on a couch at three o'clock or in an armchair and dozing off for an hour. It is the best nap you'll ever have in your entire life. I'm not kidding. One thing also the Masters does better than anybody else is their app is literally unbelievable. That you can watch every single shot from every single player. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. So I wish they, I wish more uh, golf was done that way, especially for a, somebody who plays a lot of fantasy golf uh, to watch the players that you want to watch as opposed to watching the guys that you know they just put on TV. Right. Um, again, the, the Masters app is sick. You can watch every single shot. You know, live Amen video corner, of every single shot, yeah. every single player. It's great. Yeah, so. you can watch everything, and it is. And that's the thing is, once you get into it, I have a, I also have a standing wager every year with a good friend of mine where we each pick a foursome, and we draft like a snake draft type thing back and forth, and we just go and whoever's guy wins the top overall shot, like a round of golf, a nice lunch, yeah. or like for last year we had to do a dinner because we didn't know if we'd be able to get out and play golf. So it was, it was just, just a fun thing to do on top of it, just to add on. So I love this time of year. It's one of my favorites. I actually, this is the only week during the year that even if I, when I'm in my office, it's on TV. It's the yeah. only time I keep it on TV. The TV on all day is this week. Yeah, I feel I a lot of people week. who aren't even avid golfers or golf fans, this is something that they kind of at least tune into. Maybe, maybe not Thursday and Friday, but Saturday and Sunday, I think you're always kind of tuning in. Listen, Thursday and Friday. Take the nap. I'm telling you, you cannot beat that nap. It's incredible. I don't nap much, but that's one that every year I make a point on one of those two days to cut out early from work, sit in an armchair, recline, and watch the golf until Jim Nance just lulls me to sleep. And it's wonderful. I feel so refreshed when I wake up. That's weird. I know. But uh, uh, listen, I, try it before you're going to knock I, I like naps, so you're not going to have to convince me too much. <laughs> All right, let's let's stay in sports and politics a little bit and go to Georgia. Uh, back with mas- the Masters, they're not boycotting the Masters, right? In Georgia, I, uh, I haven't heard anything about it. other than Keith Oberman. I was told Keith Oberman said that they tried to can't they said pull the Masters out of Georgia. He's an idiot, right? Oh my god! So I'm not going to talk about that anymore. But anyway, so Georgia um, reformed some of their voting laws and caught the ire of a lot of the left. Oh, I heard uh, it's Jim Crow t- 2.0. I heard it. I know it's Jim Crow 2.0. Um, now mind you, they have 17 minimum 17 days of early voting and New York has 10. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. I'm not sure how. Oh, if you compare we're the two, if we're suppressing compare- the vote here in New York more than they are in in Georgia. But anyway, and and your senator Schumer uh, has said, oh well, if we're pulling the, we should go to the Mets stadium. We should have the All Star game in New York City because somehow our voting is better than Georgia's, which is not the case. Legitimately, everything they just passed, like, well, you can't hand out food and water to the polling stations if you're of a particular candidate's camp. Right. Already the rule in New York. Yeah. Oh, we have 17 days of early voting now. Well, we only have 10 in New York. Uh, the other one was, well, if you go to the wrong polling station, it's going to be much harder to vote. In New York, you can't even vote at the wrong yeah. polling station. Right. I mean, majority of this is, is, is revolving around the IDs and the requirement of the IDs. But in Georgia, they're free, right? So, like, anybody can get a voting ID for free. So, I'm not really sure where the IRA is here. Um, but what that did was... Uh, Joe Biden, uh, Stacey Abrams, who is the, uh, I'm not sure what she actually is in Georgia anymore, other than the, the losing, losing governor candidate, candidate for governor. <laughs> um, but she wrote an op-ed and uh, Joe Biden jumped at it and they basically recommended that they move the all-star game away from Atlanta, Cobb County, heavy Democrat County, probably losing a hundred million dollars from that county. Uh, those guys voted for Biden. So I guess they're just punishing themselves. I don't understand this move. Like... MLB, quick question for you. Have you not lost enough fans over the last 10 years? Like, you're trying to wedge out the last few that are clinging to baseball? Baseball is not young, hip, fresh, or new. You know who watches baseball? Predominantly, old white dudes. You know who you just alienated through this? Old white dudes. Do you not like money? Is that the problem? Do you, are you trying to drive down? Maybe this is their ploy. They think they can capture the young There's no with shot. Wokeism. The game is too slow. I'm sorry. I, I love I'm, baseball. I, I grew up playing it. It was the sport I was by far the best at. And by that, I mean, I was like slightly above a mediocre baseball player in high school. I started on varsity. So I was like a stud. Not really. Um, it was the only sport I was very, I was reasonably good at. I love baseball. I love watching the game. I love the strategy. I love every part of it. I am not the norm. I'm not like the target audience. People like me are the exception to the rule. We're not, and I don't watch a ton of baseball. Like somebody asked me, are you going to boycott? I was like, well, no, because I really don't boycott things. And number two, I maybe sit down to watch five games a year before the playoffs. So for me to boycott would be sort of disingenuous because it'd be like boycotting something I already don't do. Um, I don't understand this. I think, look, it, this, in my opinion, is much ado about nothing. This is so over the top that it's laughable. Like, and it, it doesn't mean that I want people to be disenfranchised or anything else. I don't. Like, I want everybody to vote. You should vote. It's a great idea. I, how much up in arms am I supposed to? Like, how much of an imposition is it really for you to get a free ID sometime between now and the next election that you want to vote in? How big of an imposition is that really? Like you don't have one opportunity. Right, and how is how is requiring an ID to buy beer not racist if, if requiring it to buy to vote to vote is is racist? Like how how do you square know. that? Like I don't listen. It doesn't this, make any sense to me. I, from if I don't know how accurate this poll was, but there was uh, there was some there's some things in the particularly I uh, listen both parties, but we're talking about the Democrat party right now, so we'll stick with that. There's two areas where the Democrats are big on and they're calling this thing racist that's just not one is voting id like look we have the overwhelming majority of us have some form of identification we do like it's just you have to have some to do almost anything that you want to do uh rent an apartment buy a house drive a car buy beer buy cigarettes um write a check i mean there's a bunch of stuff rent a car right there's there's things that need id there's a reason why people have ids they're to verify the person is the person right 
Uh, so that's one where you just look at and any reasonable person, like I, I always hear people like some of the politicians in my family of like, no, you don't even understand how like, that's just racist that you're trying to do it. And I just stare at him like, look, I really don't care if you require IDs or not. It's not a big issue. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on. But the idea that it's so hard for minorities to get IDs has to be just the, the height of arrogance of like, do you think so little of, of whether it's black people, brown people, poor people. Your president doesn't think they can even use a computer. I, it's so bad. Like, guys, this is nuts. How can you say this about people? Like, no, that's nuts to, to think that you think so little of all of these different groups of people that it's just not possible without your help that they can do something is, I, I have it's no words. It's condescending is the word. You're right. It's so condescending that I can't wrap my brain around it. And the other one is charter schools. Like the party comes out so adamantly about how how charter charter schools are like ruining things for the poor communities, and then they poll the people that live in the poor communities: black, white, male, female, brown, Asian, Native American, whatever. And it's overwhelmingly positive support for charter schools. They want charter schools. They want choice. And yet, for some reason, the, I mean, do you remember when Elizabeth Warren got called out by the one voter that came out and said Pocahontas? Yeah, but. <laughs> Yes, Pocahontas. And she's like a woman, in the, and this black woman who's a voter at one of the events comes up and says, I, I want to talk to you about charter schools and why you're opposed to school choice because I'm, I'm really for it. And Elizabeth Warren said something political. And the woman said, well, didn't your children go to private school? She goes, no, my kids went to public school. And then literally three hours later, it was like, yeah, they went to public school until you had money. And then they all transferred to private school the minute you had money. So this is the issue, and this is what I mean about it being so condescending of like, and, and so I, I can't wrap my brain around how Major League Baseball reached this decision. You don't have the moral high ground. There is no moral superiority of this. New York's voting rules are at least as restrictive, if not more so. The idea that somebody who's poor can't get an ID that's free at some point in the next two years it's just the height of condescension, in my opinion. It's so, so dismissive that I can't wrap my brain around it. Of, It's like viewing somebody as a child that's so helpless that they can't do something or use a computer or go to the DMV or go somewhere and get this taken care of. Of, uh, So you're basically saying that they're not capable of buying a house, renting an apartment, driving a car, renting a car, buying alcohol, buying lottery tickets, buying cigarettes, getting into an R-rated movie. Like all of these things require an ID. So the idea that this is racist, I, I just can't get there. And it's always people saying, well, it's not for me, but it's other people that have this problem. Can we find one person that comes out and gives me an example of why? What is so unique about your situation? And you work a lot of hours. I understand. That's tough. I do. I get it. You, you have to work. You got kids. You've got all that. Believe me when I tell you I can empathize. The idea that in two years you can't possibly do this I'm having a hard time getting yeah. there. No, like I said, I think it's much to do about nothing. I assume that they eventually follow through and move the all-star game to another city state. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not that either. And they basically, I mean, where are they going to go? Like they're going to have to basically square a stadium slash city slash state. That's going to be somehow better at election laws, right? That's what they're going to pick. That's what they're deciding on. Where the, There's only, what, 32 cities, so they're going to have to pick, and some of those share a state. So they're going to have to pick between, like, 
I don't know, 25 different, 26 different teams or something like that. How many are going to be better than Georgia? I'm not sure that there are any. So the, the way out is you can either go to Chicago, New York, or into California. Those are your options. Because if you do that, nobody will even bother looking. Like, if they moved it to City Field, nobody would even raise a – like, nobody's going to seriously go, uh, wait a minute, let's compare the voting laws. I and think some people will. Nobody's going to listen. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. It's it's our little echo chamber of, of common guess. sense of like, wait, 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 wait. This doesn't make any sense. Let's. All right. So let, let's move uh, forward to uh, another politics and sports uh, merging of the topics and talk about sports betting here in New York. Um, <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> seamless rollouts. Cr- craziness here. So um, maybe many of you know uh, New York is in the process. Well, we're a couple days late here. I think the budget was supposed to be done April 1st. Um, here we are April 4th or 5th, whatever you are, 5th. Um, still no budget. But part of that budget has been this discussion of legalizing mobile sports betting. Uh, you guys probably know that uh, either last year or the year before, uh, sports betting was allowed in in uh, in a venue, right? So the casinos uh, primarily have uh, sports gaming allowed in their facilities, but there is no mobile online uh, betting here in New York. Well, that's going to change uh, with the budget. Uh, the one caveat is here, right here in New York, uh, we have this weird um, agreement. I don't know if it's a weird agreement. It's a weird agreement today, but in the, in the past it was an agreement. Um, so I'm going to uh, kind of quote from an article from uh, Robert Harding from the uh, Auburn, Hub, uh, Auburn Pub. Uh, why could you get another CNY counties could be shut down from mobile sports betting? So I'm going to skim down here to the list of counties. So 10 central counties make up the Oneida Indian Nation uh, exclusive gaming zone. Excuse me, they're Cayuga, Shenango, Cortland, Herkimer, Lewis, Madison, Anida, Onondaga, Oswego, and Otsego. So those 10 counties make up something called the Oneida Indian Nation Exclusive Gaming Zone. So there is an agreement in place with the Oneida Indian Nation where they will give um, Madison and, and Oneida a little extra, but all those counties a percentage of slot revenue. In turn, those counties cannot have gaming facilities, uh, no casinos, no there. So we're in this uh, weird uh, rock and a hard place here where the Oneidas control or have the authority to control the gaming, but they have not been asked to the table in this negotiation with the New York, with New York state and this budget and this gaming law. So as of right now, there is no mobile sports gaming for any of those 10 counties. Um, I keep hearing that the budget is, uh, you know, just moments away from passing, I have not heard any update whether or not this has been addressed at all. So for all the people here in those 10 counties, including ours and Onondaga here, uh, it may be legal in other parts of the state. You're going to have to drive there to kind of uh, participate in, in mobile sports gambling. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how this is all going to get settled, but it appears that right now there is going to be a large swath of upstate New York that is not going to be participating in sports gaming. Ah, like I said, seamless. Seamless rollout. New York. New York State, folks. What are you going to do? It's it's incredible to watch this government of our state continuously try to take the most hands-on, micromanagerial approach to governance and continually screw it up over and over and over and over. I don't have a good answer for you on this one because ultimately you're in an agreement now. You put yourself in this position because you're trying to basically get revenue from wherever you can to catch up to the absurd spending that our government um, 
embarks upon, deals with, sure. engages in, I don't know. But it's such a predictable problem of they keep doing this to themselves. And at every time, it's like the gang who can't shoot straight. Like, guys, at some point, figure this out. And I've heard from the other side of this particular debate how well it's ridiculous that native americans get all these benefits and whatever else okay but you know just quick pause if you'll remember u.s history what we did to the sovereign nations of the native americans we, we probably should be it's the least we could do yeah i think that's the way to put it like uh if you if you want to read some really messed up stuff about one government doing to another group of people you you have to look no further than our dealings with the native americans as we were manifesting our destiny and moving out westward that maybe it's the least we could do maybe just in perpetuity that's the least we could do because that was unbelievable that was terrible what we did um i say we like i was there but our government our country that this is what it did um and even like we were big on comparing things to what other people are doing at the time, even by the standards of the time, that was really messed up. Um, so when, that aside, it is legally speaking a sovereign nation, and that was the agreement we signed with these sovereign nations, and we have these treaties, and now the states are negotiating with a treaty, which which is a little bit of a legal quagmire, but okay. How do you get out of this? Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not sure there's a way out of it. You throw money at it's, the problem. It's, I don't know what the reason is, but for some reason, the United Nation has not been involved in this legislation, so they have not been brought in for any part of the negotiations. I'm not sure what the reason is behind that, but clearly there's going to leave a gigantic hole in the middle of New York State if this passes. Yeah, like I said, well thought out, no mistakes made ever. Thank God we've got these benevolent leaders above us. We are so competent, efficient, and effective. Thank that's God. What, that's what we vote for him for. Where's that libertarian country again? Uh, Liberland. Liberland. Yeah. What's the climate like in Liberland? Uh, it's not great. All right, never mind. Um, let's move forward to another one of our favorite topics, uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Just slash <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. So she's got herself in more hot water. Um, Is that if that's possible? possible. I mean, it's, it's possible. Clearly, she's... If you, Know her history. She's got a bunch of boiling pots of hot water here. So, sure. Jelaine Maxwell faces 80 years in jail over new sex trafficking charges involving 14 year old girls. So, this is a new charge from a new uh, victim. Um, yeah. This dates from 2001 to 2004. All the previous allegations have been in the 90s. So, this is a new allegation. Not saying that the allegation is new, but the charges are new from this allegation. So, I'm assuming this is being investigated. And now we are uh, moving forward with this. <laughs> Uh, on top of all the uh, additional allegations that she has. So this one, uh, involved, again, involves a 14-year-old girl uh, and one where, <clears throat> those, you know, kind of give you a glimpse of what, what she's done. Um, she took the passport from this girl after she was abused and then basically threatened her that she would call the police and uh, she would be charged with a prostitute, being a prostitute after the after the the victimization of this person. So they basically threatened her, held her passport and, you know, just adding on to the idea that obviously there was already abusive, uh, uh, you know, physical acts. And now all this mental torture that's going on top of it. So this, again, this happened in 2000, 2000, 2001, between 2001 and 2004, 
new allegations. I don't think this is, I mean, listen, they, they were doing shit all the way up until 2017, right? So I don't expect this to be the last of the charges. Um, just more piling on to this. And I feel like Chris Andrew might be involved in this one too as well. Shocking. So yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll get some more movement in this. Uh, her trial is still scheduled for July, I believe. Uh, as, as far as we know, she's still being locked up in New York someplace. Um, just more terribleness on top of a terrible person, I guess. I'm not really sure what's more there to add, but. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's just more of what we already knew was happening. And I love the fact that it's always Prince Andrew, like nobody else. We don't talk about anybody else being involved with Jeffrey Epstein except Prince Andrew. Like, that's the one we get. And we know it was way worse than that. Like, we, yeah. we know that Donald Trump and uh, Jeffrey Epstein had a friendly relationship at one point that subsequently soured. We know that Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein were pretty close friends and that Clinton went to the island on more than one occasion. We know that Bill Gates uh, was on friendly terms with Jeffrey Epstein after Jeffrey Epstein took the plea deal where he admitted to soliciting underage girls is that a is that the proper legal yeah, terminology uh, yeah okay I've, I've made this point before i can forgive a lot of things out of my friends if if i find out that you were trying to like go diddle some 15 year olds we're not friends anymore there's there's no redemption in my in my life for that i wish you the best and i hope that you recover but I'm not going to be like, yeah, why don't you move over for dinner with the fam? Not going to be part of that recovery. No, I'm not. Yeah. I can't do this. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I can't go down that path with you. I'm sorry, especially when it's so blatantly obvious that you're not actually sorry and all you're doing is covering your ass. Like, So say what you want. Bill Gates and all these other people that then went and sat with Jeffrey Epstein, knowing this full well, had multiple dinners, rode on the plane, did all this stuff together. How... Uh, how much leeway am I supposed to give you that you yeah. didn't know? Like, you, are you going to try to plead ignorance and you just thought he was a rich philanthropist that was trying to help people? I mean, this is like the Charlie Day of philanthropy. Like, if you've ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day is trying to say I'm a philanthropist, but he says I'm a full-on rapist. Okay. Who knew that would come in so prescient as to this story? But the guy's a rapist. He's an absolute piece of human garbage. Jazane Maxwell is no better. Like they did this stuff, and I think the really scary part, and I don't know if it's scary, it is scary, and the really depressing part is our government, at a minimum, knew about it and allowed it to happen, and no doubt, possibly even funded it. Like it was, in all likelihood, I'm not going to say anything with certainty, but in all likelihood, it was either us or Israel. It was either the CIA or the Mossad that was that was funding this and making it happen. You're going to tell me the other intelligence agency didn't know? Yeah, no. These, these people all knew, which is again been my biggest horrifying. You know, yeah, for all that is true, but my biggest question is still is to what end, right? So, like all these people in play, all these people compromised. Uh, um, you know, for, to to what end? What 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 was the Epstein crew getting out of all of this. And that's pretty much what I think is the, uh, I don't know, going to be the one scariest thing that we, if we ever do find out, that's going to be the one thing that's going to break us. Let's okay. So anything else on the, uh, Julian Maxwell, anything? Cause I'd like to talk about the greatest thing in the world, vaccine passports. <laughs> can we at least up at, like end with Bitcoin or something so we can end on a positive. Bitcoin, where's Bitcoin? 58, 948. Still no, doing good. It. End with it. 
let's let's talk about the vaccine passport. This thing got a lot of attention. Um, I mean, it got a lot of attention here in libertarian circles real quickly, too, because if I can, I'm trying to pull up this uh, Libertarian Party of Kentucky. You may have heard that these guys got in a little bit of uh, hot water a little bit uh, by comparing the uh, vaccine passport to the yellow badges of the Auschwitz camps. Sure. Um, I'm looking for the tweet so I could quote them directly. So. I mean, obviously, it's not okay to compare anything to Auschwitz and to compare. Like, I always equate this to, like, when uh, when people talk about other slurs, like boomer or whatever else for, for different age and demographics, or calling an Italian Fredo, and then people come out like, that is no different than the N-word. Mm. Yeah, That's, it is. You want to know why? Because I, right now, on, on this minimally broadcasted publication, can say Fredo and boomer. You know what I can't say? Yeah, you do. Inherently, it's different. Yeah, so let me me read the uh, Libertarian Party of Kentucky's. uh, This is the state party here of of Kentucky. So this is that they're posing a question. Uh, This is March 29th. So this is right after Biden basically floated the idea of of a vaccine passport. It's like, this is the this is the tweet. Are the vaccine passports going to be yellow, shaped like a star and sewn onto our clothes? Right now. I get all of what you're saying, making the comparisons. That being said, that wasn't really a comparison. That was it like was a comparison to the run up, right? Yeah, Which it was is like a tongue in cheek thing. It's a, it, it's the, but it is. I think a. I mean, listen, I, I understand why people were. I mean, I think they did try to make the comparison, but I think they actually made an accurate comparison. I mean, this was something that, okay, when they were told to sew yellow stars out of their clothes, nobody thought that they were going to be used for something else, right? So this is the idea that this vaccine passport is not going to be limited to COVID. So that there's not going to be a temporary COVID passport, that it's going to be for all health issues and other things, um, which is where, you know, even the ACLU is like, OK, this thing is not like I, I'm not a huge fan of the ACLU. They've seen to kind of tip a little bit too far to the left for me. Mm-hmm. But even here they came out and said, hey, this is, you know, we're going down the wrong path with this. Um, you and should I, be concerned about this. Like, absolutely should be alarmed. And here's the thing. If I've learned anything by my years of listening to people can make comparisons on both sides, just throw in the word dog whistle and it's all okay. It's like this is like the dog whistle of the gold stars leading up to pre-Holocaust Germany. And then it's okay because you said dog whistle and then it's fine. See, it's, there's rules here. You just got to learn them. And so I'm going to bring up some of the ACLU. Uh, uh, so they basically said, um, I'm going to kind of shorten some of their uh, uh, review of this here. Um, could, uh, digital credentials present a number of new potential problems and would be opposed to vaccination. We would oppose a vaccination credential system that does not meet three crucial criteria. And I'm going to list the criteria. Good. It's not exclusively digital. So they want a paper trail. It's not, it is decentralized and open source so that it is, uh, you know, not being, there's nobody who can uh, pull the plug or control the uh, data. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does not allow for tracking or creation of a new database, right? So they want the information basically to be individualized and not collected in some central bank, which is not going to happen. This is their only reason why they're doing is this is to kind of have a big database of people's health inf- information. Honest to God, if you believe that they're going to issue vaccine passports and then not track it, you are kidding yourself and not very effective. Right. Well, these are the, these are the suggestions by the ACLU to a digital passport system. So they're, you know, they're, they're like, we, we will not support a digital pass unless it has, you know, these things are, t- are addressed. Okay. So here's my take. Number one, it's a terrible idea because number one, you have some level of privacy that you are entitled to. And it's none of the government's business, whether or not you decided to receive this vaccine. 
And now I, I hear the argument from the other side. Well, it's about safety and you can protect others. All right, shut up. Honestly, here's, here's the questions. If you're going to tell me this with a straight face, you better be able to answer these questions. How long do the antibodies last from the vaccine? Three to six months, I heard. We have no idea. How long does natural immunity last when you get the virus? Uh, maybe 10 years. We don't know, but all signs indicate much longer. How many people have natural pre-existing T-cell immunity to COVID-19? Depending on the study, somewhere between 25 and 60% of the population does. Okay? With pre-existing, could never get it, no benefit to getting the vaccine whatsoever. So all of those things are true, right? Does the vaccine actually stop you from spreading it to other people? No. It does not. We don't know that conclusively, but all of the early science indicates, no, it does not actually stop you, which is why you still have to wear a mask, why you still have to socially distance, why you still have to do all this. Okay, so I can't do that. What is the benefit of the vaccine? It stops you. It lowers your risk of dying from COVID-19. All right, great. What if you took mass like 4,000 milligrams a day of vitamin D? What would be the results of of your likelihood of dying of COVID-19? Uh, a lot less significantly reduced even more so than the vaccine so we have all of this data to indicate that the vaccine is entirely unnecessary also do i have to sign a waiver acknowledging that i accept all risks and i have no legal recourse if this vaccine does go south and causes me harm i have to sign a waiver i can't sue no i'm not allowed to so it could be and we rushed it what was the fastest a vaccine was ever brought safely to the public prior to this one these ones I'm not sure. Five years. Five years. These were done in less than two. Okay. And notice, we've brought vaccines in less than five years. We've never done it safely. And uh, what was the the Netherlands that just stopped issuing the Moderna? AstraZeneca. The AstraZeneca vaccine to any woman under the age of 60 because they were noticing a correlation of people dying. Doesn't mean it's causation. But they did the math and said there's very little benefit of taking this vaccine for a woman under 60, and we're seeing a disproportionate number of women die. We need to study this before we keep going down this road. So if I, at 36 years of age, decide to go get this vaccine, because the government's making me if I want to go get on an airplane. All right, cool. Number one, I have immunity maybe, maybe for three to six months. Maybe. Number two, I still have to do all of the general restrictions that I that I was supposed to do anyway, right? All right. Number two, am I, do I have to get it again? The, the vaccine? Yeah. Do I have to go get another one? Or what if SARS-CoV-2 does exactly what SARS-CoV-1 did Listen. and come on very hard, spread very fast, have a few variants pop up here and there, and then completely burn out in two years? Which yeah. is what is typical and what you would expect from SARS-CoV viruses. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but again, play the odds. Oh, wait, and here's the best one. Hey, Sean, what are the incidents of asymptomatic spread of COVID-19? Uh, almost nil. All right, so just about zero, right. Uh, pre-symptomatic spread, also very low. The overwhelming majority of COVID spread is from symptomatic spread of an enclosed space, regardless of whether you have your stupid mask over your face or not. If you're near somebody and you have symptoms, you are probably going to spread it. Another fun fact, guess what? Super spreaders are an actual thing. Some people are far more likely to spread this. Many people have 0% chance of spreading it. These are all scientifically verified facts, or at least where the evidence would indicate that it's going. Doesn't mean it's conclusive. Anything can change. But if you're going to follow the actual data, this is all true information. Why are we not talking about that? 
Why does nobody know that 25 to 60% of the population has pre-existing T-cell immunity to COVID-19? Why do people not realize, why are we not broadcasting this, that of all of the people who have gotten severely sick and died from COVID-19, 99.9% were not just insufficient in vitamin D, but were actually deficient, so low in vitamin D that it, was, that it qualified as a deficiency. And the people that received high-dose vitamin D actually saw far better results. Why don't you know that? Why don't you know that? Honestly, think about that for a minute, because that's true. Why, are, why do we not know the actual number of how many people have pre-existing immunity? Why are we not even studying that? Why are we not doing around-the-clock studies to find out what is it about these people that has the pre-existing T-cell immunity? Why is it that if I have antibodies because I got COVID-19 and I'm donating plasma so that I can help other people, genuinely, truly help my fellow man and prevent children dying from Kawasaki disease, and I'm donating plasma, but if I get the vaccine, guess what I can't do anymore? Donate plasma. They won't take it. Because the antibodies generated by the vaccine replace the longer-lasting, better, natural antibodies existing. There are so many red flags about this, I can't even begin to fathom how anybody could look at you and guilt you or question you when you say, no, I'm not getting the vaccine. And I tell people this all the time. I don't tell them not to get it. I just say, no, I'm not getting it. Oh, my God. Why? And then I ask those questions. And then every time it's like, if it wasn't safe, then the scientists would be coming out, like, right? Because that's what we're known for. We've changed a lot since our days in dealing with the Native Americans. Our government is truly benevolent now and not at all corrupt, I mean, obviously. The, the Tuskegee Airmen would argue otherwise. Here's, I had this conversation recently, and the Tuskegee Airmen is a phenomenal example. Can't figure out why black people are a little hesitant to get a vaccine from the government. Read a history book. Everybody should be a little bit hesitant. For the... Everybody knows how completely morally bankrupt Big Pharma is. It's not a secret. It's not like a question. There's a reason that you still have to pay an absurd amount of money for insulin, even though it was patented in like 1920. They keep making minor tweaks to it to make sure that you still have to pay for it. There's a reason all these life-saving drugs end up being 10 times more expensive. It's because they don't have your best interest at heart. They're not evil. They're sociopaths. They don't care. They're out to make money. Fine. People running around and doing the, um, going to battle, all right, for these pharmaceutical companies and pushing this vaccine with such little data, like you haven't even bothered to read the studies. And I had somebody tell me, like, no, there was a study just done in Israel that showed that it does stop you from spreading it. Really? Did you read the study? No. All right. After you read the study, come and talk to me and tell me if you think that is a conclusive reasoning or how much of an effect does seasonality have on COVID-19? huge, huge impact of seasonality. Maybe there's a reason that all the states, regardless of shutdowns, masks, and social distancing, all saw pretty similar curves at pretty similar times based on when their normal flu season is. Weird, right? Almost like some influenza-like viruses have a seasonal nature to them. What a shock. The fact that everybody is now turning around and doing with an unverified vaccine, both for efficacy and for safety, because we don't know, I do believe the vaccine is probably safe. I want to clarify all of this right now and say, I believe it probably is safe. I don't know that for sure, and neither does anybody else, because it's, it's not long enough of a time. And if you're my age and my health, this virus poses a statistical 0% threat to you. And I do, even if I got it, it doesn't mean I can't pass it on to somebody else. And I might only have antibodies for 90 days. The whole time, I still have to do exactly all the same precautions I'm already doing. All right. 
the fact that you people, and I shouldn't say it like that, the fact that some people are so adamantly carrying the water for these pharmaceutical companies is the most mind-boggling thing I have ever seen in my entire life. Apple would kill for this kind of brand ambassadorship. People are running around like trying to guilt their neighbors, friends, and family members into getting a vaccine and acting as if they understand anything about what's going on when they have read none of the studies, they've looked at none of the data, they're not questioning anything. When will we ever learn you cannot trust these people blindly? You can't. I shouldn't say that. Obviously, you can. You shouldn't. They haven't changed. They are who they are. It's not that they want you to die. They just don't care if you do. That's the reality. It's not top of the priority list. Yes, some of the people who develop the actual drugs are very altruistic and just trying to help their fellow man. And then it's weird how the CEO of all these companies end up making these billion-dollar salaries after their stock options come in. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see anybody uh, giving the uh, patent to the COVID uh, vaccine for free, like Dr. Selk with the polio vaccine, right? Dr. Selk with the polio vaccine. Just gave it away. said, hey, this is uh, be- uh, I, there's no reason for me to make money on this when basically the, the, the betterment of humanity is... Depends on this. Right. And the four guys who developed insulin sold it for $1 to try to protect the patent. That's what they got out of it. They made a dollar each. So the whole vaccine went for $4, $1 each. Then a pharmaceutical company, and I don't recall which one, bought it, tweaked it a little bit, and then started reclaiming it over and over in perpetuity that they make minor changes to insulin so that you have to continue paying an arm and a leg and it can't be just generic forms. This is nuts, all right? I'm not, and if you think this is so separate and so different, you sure? You sure there's no overlap between the people at the NIH and the people working at pharmaceutical companies? Do you think it's weird that people who work for our federal government own patents on viral, on, on medications and on uh, vaccines and everything else? Do you, do you find that weird? Because I do. I find that a little unsettling. Not saying it's necessarily wrong, but it certainly is a factor in when I'm making my decisions about how much faith to place in both our bureaucracy of government And Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest paid government employee in the entire country, makes more money than the president. And he's been in office for 40 years through multiple different administrations across both political parties. Maybe that's because he's just such a brilliant scientist that he's irreplaceable. Or maybe it's because he's a really good politician and he knows what he has to say to get things done. I'm going with B. You know, if you were going to play the smart money, I would probably go that way, too. So you want me to put all this faith in bureaucrats, politicians, and big pharma. Hard pass. And and I'm not telling you not to get a vaccine. I actually read the literature. My mother got the vaccine. She asked me about it, and I told her flat out, listen, if I was in your shoes, I don't think I would get it. But I understand that you would, and I'm not going to talk you out of it. Good for you, because COVID is an actual risk to you you at this stage in your life. My father refused. I said, good for you. Same age. No difference. And I just said, you know what? Good for you. And my mother is a nurse practitioner. So all these people that she works with at the hospital are like, what do you mean your husband is not going to get the vaccine? Why don't you make him? And God bless my mother. She goes, that's not my call. He gets to make that decision. I'm not here to tell him what to do. If he's not comfortable taking it, he shouldn't take it. Like, I can't believe that you would do this. That's what I'm talking about of Apple would kill for that kind of brand ambassadorship of what do you mean you're not going to put this substance in your body? What I mean, it came from Pfizer, and obviously they never did anything wrong. Oh, and I know all the experts say it's safe, and we should absolutely trust the experts. They were only wrong about hand-washing, Oxycontin, uh, recreational drugs, cigarettes, alcohol. Um, 
The food pyramid. The food pyramid. Oh, God, the food pyramid. Uh, and that was the other one. Oh, checklist in emergency rooms. They got that one really wrong. Think like how many things smart people, and I'm not calling them dumb. They are smart people. But how many things they have gotten wrong over the years to believe that they suddenly now are impervious to mistakes, even when the majority agrees, is just the height of arrogance. We are the most modern time in the history of the world, correct. But guess what? In 1980, they were the most modern time in the history of humanity, too. We are not beyond mistakes. So I'm not telling you what to do. You want to get the vaccine? God bless you. You feel more comfortable getting it? Good for you. Go after it. Maybe dial down the certainty in your moral superiority for a few minutes, and if somebody opts not to get it, maybe that doesn't make them a bad person. Maybe that just means they feel differently than you, and shockingly enough, that's okay. Congratulations, because ultimately, if you start looking into what the actual benefits of this vaccine are and you still decide to get it, God bless you. But I guarantee you, if you actually fully understood the, the even the stated benefits, the stated claimed benefits, you would never again guilt anybody about choosing not to get it because it's a joke yeah and like i said you know two two separate things there too Uh, you know i'll support anybody getting their vaccine if that's what they think is in their best interest i'm not i'm never supporting anybody trying to give a vaccine passport to anybody like it's just a it's a step too far um even if the vaccine was actually effective at what people think it was of stopping the spread of the virus and everything else it's still not your place to make somebody else do it and require a passport for somebody to live their life that is wrong in my opinion and and i've heard people say oh they're private companies if they want to do that i mean i get that to some degree but it's still tyrannical and whether or not they're a private company or a government they can still make tyrannical policies and i will call them out for it every single time so my wife and i talked about this because we're planning on going to florida later in the year and she said well what are we going to do i said we're going to drive yeah. I won't do it. I will not get in the and the more people that turn and mount the pressure on to get these vaccines, the more I dig my heels in to say there is something wrong here. You shouldn't have to do this if it's actually good. You shouldn't have to push this hard. There is something wrong with this. And I don't think it's that they're trying to kill everybody or microchip everybody. I think that there's a ton of money to be made in vaccines. The United States government bought 300 million full doses of vaccines. 330 million, enough to populate every human being in America. Even though every scientific data point says only about half the people are willing to take it. That's... Think, think about the money that you're making if you're one of these pharmaceutical companies. I do think now that the most states are to the point where pretty much anybody can get it, you know, 16 and up for, for almost everywhere is, is where they are now. You're going to start seeing those backlog of, of, of vaccines that are, not, are unused. Um, you're going to start noticing them. I mean, you, they talk about the thousands of open uh, appointments now here in the county. I'm assuming that is similar other places as well. And, we're, you know, you're going <clears> to <throat> hit a point where... Everybody who wanted the vaccine got the vaccine. And if you're going to try to force everybody else into getting the vaccine with a vaccine passport, you're going to fail. Right. Here's the thing. I will I will state this now and I will maintain this. This has been my position ever since I read even the early studies on the vaccine and what they were claiming were the benefits. There is no reward they can offer and no punishment they can threaten that will result in that needle going in my arm or the arm of any one of my children. No chance. Because there is not enough benefit to justify the risk. And if you think there is no risk, you are just mistaken. I'm not telling you it's a huge risk. Like I said, I believe it's probably safe, but there's still a risk involved. We are seeing a correlation of people dying and nobody's reporting it. It's concerning. All right. Meanwhile, everything that was related to a COVID death got reported without a second thought and ran with immediately. 
but people dying right after getting the vaccine and the uptick in deaths in the vaccine in nursing homes after administering the vaccine is real. It did happen. It does not mean it's causation, but there's at least been a correlation. So the idea that this is completely risk-free and that we understand all of this technology and mRNA and and what it's doing to your genetic code and and how your genetics are responding to this, maybe, but the idea that we couldn't be wrong, the idea that the scientists and the doctors can't be mistaken or can't have an error in, in their projections, that's not supported by any reading of history, any reading of science, or any common sense. Of course they could be wrong. So, of course, there is some risk. What are we doing? Like, why are we encouraging people that had the virus and have antibodies to get vaccinated? That makes no sense. Uh, That's crazy. We know the vaccine. We shouldn't say we know. All the available evidence indicates, yes, we had a few people get COVID twice. It's so exceptionally rare. Guess what? You're going to have people that get the virus after they got vaccinated, too. And it's going to happen way more often than people that had the regular yeah, it's, it's almost all of those people who were reinfected were people who had some kind of immune deficiency. It wasn't like they were just normal right. people. They had some underlying condition that made them more susceptible to getting it again. So, so you want to know what you can honestly do to protect you and yours from getting COVID or getting really sick or dying from COVID? Take vitamin D every single day couple hundred to a couple thousand milligrams. Anthony Fauci even said he takes like 8,000 milligrams of vitamin D a day. Yeah, anything, any location above the 35th parallel, I've seen basically you're vitamin D deficient. Automatically. There's some that like basically you... Even even in this analogy, somebody said, even if you were running outside naked every single day, you're not getting enough. There's not enough vitamin D just through the sunlight. You should be taking a supplement. So if you take vitamin D, if you exercise and eat right, you're in, again... Every, there's a bolt of lightning that can strike, and I understand that. But if even if you don't exercise, even if you don't eat right, if you continually take vitamin D and you get your levels to the point where you have sufficient levels of vitamin D in your blood, the odds of you getting very sick and or dying of COVID-19 is practically zero, is statistically zero. Again, one in a million shot, it could happen, obviously. But it's, it's not supported by, it's more protection for you than getting the vaccine. How's that? It's a safer option than taking the vaccine. We know there's very little risk with vitamin D. Do you know how much vitamin D you have to take to get to like a toxic level? A lot. It's insane level, more than you would ever ingest. So this is my point on all of it is just, look, I get it. We're all scared. We all want this to be over with. But the government is basically stating the beatings will continue if morale does not improve. So now take this medication or don't make me hit you again. Like what? No, uh, no, this is not right. I'm not going to take a COVID passport. I will absolutely will not take a vaccine passport. No, it's none of your business. If right. I, my personal health information is not your concern. I don't know if I told you this last week on the show, the Veterans Administration called me on my cell phone like two weeks ago, right after they opened it up for all veterans, speaking of things that make a ton of sense, and said, hi, this is so-and-so from the VA. Uh, we were calling to see if you'd be interested in getting the vaccine for COVID. I said, you know, I wouldn't, but thank you. And she said, oh, okay, no problem. Well, would you be okay if we contacted your primary care physician and informed them of the benefits of encouraging you to get the COVID-19 vaccine? And I went, uh, no, I'd prefer you don't do that either, actually. And they said, okay. I said, all right, well, thanks for your time. Bye. And that was it. But that whole thing is just so unsettling of like, what do you mean you want to call my doctor and, tell, and try to convince them to do it? What? No, I don't want it. It's okay with me. Yeah, and, that, and that's where they talk about, you know, 
Oh, if it's private, like the government's always going to be involved, even if they try to claim it to be private and voluntary. The, the government will find a way to get involved. Because they got to oversee it for our protection, yeah. Sean. They can't risk these evil private companies just selling your information when they can take it for free. Exactly. And do whatever they want with it that are far worse things. So, yeah, I'm, shockingly enough, very anti-vaccine passport. And, no, I'm not equating it to the Star of David being sewn onto the Jewish people in pre-Auschwitz Germany. I'm really not. I'm telling you just from a standpoint of... You know, the people in Israel are equating it. I saw that. I get it. Look, look that... I mean, I they actually it. drew they drew the passport and then drew an arrow and then drew the yellow star. Like, this is leading to this. Right. I'm just saying it's way outside of my comfort zone, and there is no... You can't justify this. And this is the point that you and I hit about the restrictions a while back. If it worked, we could debate the merits. If this, if this vaccine actually stopped you from spreading it, we knew that for a fact and had long-lasting immunity, then we could debate whether it was okay to make people get it or to have these passports. We could debate the issue of the, the pros, cons, cost, benefits. It doesn't even do that. We have no idea if this stops you from spreading it. The early indications are it doesn't. Yes, the one study out of Israel that was so laughably flawed came out and said, potentially, maybe it could, might might even maybe a little bit reduce the spreading for a time. Oh, buddy, that's conclusive if I've ever heard it. So that's my point is like you want to force this infringement and this invasion of my privacy on me to do normal everyday traveling, flying on a plane, going to a concert, going to a football game, whatever fine you want to force that on me so that i will be submissive into getting a vaccine that statistically is not going to make me any is not going to make any statistical difference on my personal likelihood of getting sick is not going to make any impact at all on my ability to catch and spread the virus to other people and we don't fully grasp and i have to sign a waiver saying we don't really know what's in this so if it goes wrong you have no legal recourse um you know what i don't need to go to concerts that bad i gotta tell you i'm good i'm Thankfully, I can drive for a really long period of time without without stopping. So guess what? I won't get on a plane. I won't go to a concert. I won't go to a football game. If you're going to require that, good for you. I guess you just don't want my money, and that is okay with me. I won't give it to you. I'm right there with you. No issues at all. I can't go to a baseball game. All right. I guess you don't want my money. No problem. And based on how, how baseball is going, that does seem to be their new business model. Maybe they do like the whole COVID no fans thing. They have cardboard cutouts in their audience. It makes them look more full than they really are. Probably. I mean, for most of the league. All right. Mr. Hughesong, I feel like we've left the uh, crowd with enough information to ponder for a week. Um, Next week, I don't know yet whether or not there's going to be a show. I will be out of town on Monday the 12th. So selfish. And I haven't figured out how that's all going to work yet. So if there's no show on the 12th, there will definitely be a show on the 19th when I come back. Uh, maybe I'll try to find something if there is no show to, to release on Monday uh, in this place. But Maybe we could do that experiment with the chain link fence and the grains of sand. Grains of sand. Not the particles, the grains of, grains sand. of sand. We could very, do that experiment. Informed, we have a very informed audience. <laughs> we could just, I mean, imagine the conclusions we could draw. Like, see, there's drops on the ground. There's grains. Successful chain link fence works, folks. All Inarguable. Right, fo- <laughs> don't doubt. Don't doubt of the science. Don't All right, folks. Make sure you uh, like, share, and subscribe the channel. Uh, hit that notification bell for our next uh, content and uh, make sure you share this with all your friends and family and uh, we'll see you all hopefully next week, if not in two weeks. Uh, Mr. Hughesong, would you like to leave the folks with anything before we leave? Uh, listen, 
thank you. We really appreciate you guys coming in and joining us every week. I have a blast doing this. I admittedly probably don't have time to be doing this, but I enjoy it so much. And if there's anything you want us to discuss, research, look into more, let us know. But sincerely, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for engaging. And also, thanks for giving me the word grains. grains. I really needed that. I could not come up with that word. Yeah, And if you want to uh, even go one more uh, other than like, share, and subscribe, you can go to anchor.fm backslash scap, S-C-A-P-P, and you can fund the show. You can uh, help support the show with uh, minimal contributions, a one-time or recurring. Um, but check us out if you'd like to do that. And on that note, we will see you all hopefully next week, if not in two weeks.